0: to get right into it i was cool. listening to some um dancehall um before i was getting ready you know to get the vibes going and stuff you know and i was thinking hmm, 90s dancehall or soca you know so for you what is it 1990s dancehall or soca
1: oh, come on there's no competition there's no comp- it's it's actually i say that it's, it's first of all i'll answer it. it's soca it's
0: soca, it's soca. All day
1: long, all day long Any generation, any era, any year 2020, 1990s Doesn't matter, it's so good for me It's so good for me That being said though Bashman, or should I say Dancehall In the 90s was Like the best era ever Best era ever I don't think there's any era that can really Touch 90s dancehall The noughties come close But That's about it that's about it after that soka for me though
0: soka yeah yeah soka soca. it's like i'm um... When my dad gets to listen to this, I'm so sorry dad, because I'm half Bajian, half Jamaican, right? And I know I should be (laughs) representing the soca for the Bajian community, like big up all of the Bajian Islanders out there. But for me, it has to be 1990s dancehall without a shadow of a doubt, you know, Um, got so many good memories of that era Mm. and that music and stuff. Okay, lovely. So we're going to deep dive into everything about um, your career as a law lecturer. I know you have a passion for law and all yep. things about education, and I know that you are a brilliant educator. So mm-hmm. tell us about um before you got into being law lecturing, what was like your first job, your first ever job growing up?
1: My first ever job growing up mm. paper round.
0: Paper round. Yeah,
1: I was a paper boy without a bike. <laughs> without a <laughs> bike. I was on foot. Way, isn't it? Yeah, I was, everyone else had a bike and I was walking, <laughs> you know, even doing my job in like two hours and I'd be like, yeah, I'll just see you at school. <laughs> Basically. Oh, yeah, how
0: I've long did you job. do that for? Do you remember? It was just like a couple
1: of months or? No, nah, I did it for about a good, maybe year and a half to two years. Yeah. Did it for about maybe two years around, um, around this area delivering papers all the mornings, weekends as well yeah that's
0: good that's good like um i mean like even to do paper around like the type of what i can say attributes that you're developing through that you know um resilience timekeeping, you know you. organization skills so it's a good ground for, for a first round. job
1: yeah i think for a first job it probably taught me a lot more than i realized it taught me thinking back literally right now because yeah i had to be up at uh, five in the morning to go to the shop, pick up my papers, make sure they're all organized and make sure it they're all in the right order. Otherwise I'm just going to be going back and forth, you know, um, going up and down the street rather than doing it in the correct order to get it done as efficiently as possible.
0: Yeah.
1: All of those sorts of things. I think especially so for waking up at that time of the morning, you know, for what was back then, I think I was getting 12 pound a week.
0: Twelve,
1: pound 12 pound, eat, yeah young don't people pound. don't laugh at me 12 pound a week was bits yeah yeah I was bits 15 16 years ago you know I was able to do some things like that. but yeah the, the idea of waking up at that time it wasn't a lot even then but it was it was you know it was okay it's basically my pocket money without me having to ask my mum for it true of oh, the idea of waking up at five in the morning to go and deliver papers for for what was going to be 12 pounds every every sunday you know um does require a certain resilience and yeah i'm gonna do it i think there might be a lot of like mm, it's not worth it you know
0: so as we fast forward into um, your role I want us to get some insight because I'm sure there's going to be somebody listening to this to think do you know what I want to work as a college lecturer but
1: yeah. what is it
0: like I mean like what are the type what, what is your typical day how would you describe your typical day as a law lecturer what do you do
1: typical day as a law lecturer um, right it's quite weird because I mean I'll give you my typical day now I work in a school and my typical day would be me coming in at about eight o'clock um i'll basically settle myself in I've, I've got a base classroom that might change of course right now because of the whole covid thing so a lot of um <clears throat> logistical procedures might differ basically but typically i'll have a base classroom i'll go into my room where i teach all of my lessons pretty much make sure i've got everything in order for the day um I'll do that from eight o'clock. Then I'll have briefing that I need to be down for at eight forty-five for any important messages that will be going on throughout the day, any deadlines that need to be met that day, or anything that's happening after school that I may or may not have to attend, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. From there, it's form registration. I've got to basically make sure everyone's it, um, everyone's marked present, absent, late, and what have you. Give them important messages as well you know, um, look through their diaries, make sure they've done things, um, checked they've done their homework, had their parents sign off of a week and what have you. And then it's into my lessons where I'm basically delivering, you know. I'm currently I teach law, politics and RE. Wow. So it's a, it's a fairly varied day and week for that matter, mm-hmm. quite okay. simply. And then, yeah, once that's done. Again, see my form class, give them any other important messages, tell anyone what I need to tell them, and then let them go.
0: So it is a busy day from as soon as you get into that school until you end at what, 3.30?
1: The moment it's I like walk in through those doors. Running. Yeah, the moment I walk through those doors, it's go, 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 go. Mm. No, um, the the school day finishes at 3.30 in terms of the children. But in terms of me and most other teaching staff, the day doesn't really end there. Most days I'm leaving, maybe anywhere between 5.30 and 6.30 in the evening.
0: Wow. Okay. Wow. So it's a long, long, long day. So So it's it's an eight to six day. Eight to six day, yeah. eight to six day, because um I have a good friend who also works in a school as a, a, a primary school teacher. And she said oh. like, yeah, so if I'm in school from like 7.30, don't leave until five. And then she has to rush and get her kids. So it is it is full on, but very rewarding, would you
1: say? It is, it's massively rewarding. I mean, first of all, like I said, it's very varied. No two days are the same, because you're dealing with X amount of, of young people, you know, and, that just brings so much variety and character to the day. some days more annoying, some days more exciting, etc but it's it's very varied you know.
0: So if somebody's listened to this and they um, they want to be able to inspire to make a difference to young people and they have a passion about a particular topic then get into education yeah this is the place yeah
1: definitely definitely teaching teaching is the place it's massively sorry I I went off track and i was like what did she ask me about again it is very (laughs) rewarding (laughs) It it will sometimes not feel like that all the time especially like when you're starting off in the first few months maybe even quite a way through but it's usually at the end when you see things like their results, or or when you see their growth in those last few months and how much they've yeah. changed. And if you look back in hindsight and think, wow, you know, little Tarquin was, was like this in September, you know, for a right annoyance and now they've just matured so much. And you know that you had a hand in that, or or maybe that, you know, Sarah struggled in, in maths or whatever subject it might be that you're delivering. And now they they get quadratic equations like that basically because you manage to help them. That's where, that's where the reward is, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you're the sort of person who gets a buzz from that, then that's the place for you. That's what you need to be.
0: I love that when you say quadratic equations. I was like, whoa, that's gone right over my
1: head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know you I know your
1: recent, stuff. <laughs> I did a recent teaching maths um for, for a point and that came up and yeah I I know where it is to say it all now I can't remember how to teach it. So
0: <laughs> but you know say if you was in that position you'd be like right it's all like just all come back to you, isn't it? You know? So I hope so.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so would you say that the career path chose you or you chose the career path?
1: I chose it. Yeah. It chose me.
0: Yeah.
1: We chose each yeah. other. <laughs> um, the reason I say I chose it is because I knew I wanted to teach from the age of 18.
0: Wow. Okay. You know,
1: and that was because when I was in my second year of sixth form, I used to help the first years who were struggling with law, who first came in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And from there, I realized, yeah, I want to teach, basically. Um, I've been teaching for 10 years, so in, in that way as well, I think it's sort of chosen me. You know, I do think also it takes a particular sort of person to go into teaching and actually manage to do it, do it well.
0: Went on to Google, Google and I was looking up to find out what they believe are like the key um, attributes of a lecturer. And so I found this by this gentleman called John Dable on FE jobs. And okay. he has an acronym that, it, that you must be cheeky. So C sounds for charismatic, H honest, E engaging, E energetic, K knowledgeable and Y yielding. So what do you believe are the top three skills or attributes that a lecturer must possess?
1: top three skills for a lecturer Mm. first one straight off the bat is patience Mm. Um, patience is needed if you're not patient you can so easily become frustrated where you need not become frustrated and if you do that in the wrong sort of setting you can potentially, and it might sound a bit drastic, but you can potentially change a student's life Mm. negatively. Whereas if you have patience, you wait for that opportunity to potentially change their life positively, Mm. you know? So I think patience is needed. With that, um, discipline. Discipline. (laughs) It's not for the weak hired (laughs) um, teaching. Especially when when you're when you're working with young people who, some of them, not all of them, like a, a lot of young people are are really cool. You know, nine out of ten students I teach are are really nice, they're pleasant to work with. They're funny. They they make me laugh on on a daily basis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But you will get one or two that are looking, they're looking for your buttons. And like, uh, uh, which one do I, which one do I press? Which are oh, oh, look, there it is. That one, <laughs> that one, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's what do. <laughs> you going know, mm-hmm. to Try and annoy you. And you need to have discipline to overcome that and not rise to it. Cause you can, it's easy to become the person who starts matching their energy. And then it just all spirals out of control.
0: I bet yeah. you've got some stories to st- to tell us about,
1: <laughs> you know, um,
0: when yeah. things um, <laughs> spiral out of control. And I definitely agree with you, like patience and discipline is just so important. And I also believe that um, our wonderful young people who we teach, who we inspire and motivate, they they want that for themselves anyway, do you know what I mean they wouldn't want a teacher yeah. who is an organized you know who is flaky and not knowledgeable about their subject area They want the listening, isn't it? They want ground Absolutely. rules and stuff in yeah. in the classroom because um i was I remember like last year I was um delivering a class and um I was thinking, oh I want a, a different way of teaching ground rules um what would you see, hear and feel in an ideal classroom, you know, and some of the young people were saying that they want respect, um, discipline for the teacher to be knowledgeable and patient and kind and understanding. I was like, whoa, okay, you know, but in your experience, what would be the ideal classroom environment? What would you see here and feel in an ideal classroom environment?
1: Um, I I think it's generally the typical thing. So when I go, when I go into teach, I like to create a classroom that's, first of all, comfortable. Mm -hmm. Um, when I say comfortable, I think that's probably the wrong word. Um, safe. Safe. Mm -hmm. Safe. Not physically safe, but more um, safe in terms of I feel comfortable to say what's on my mind. You know, if I genuinely think it, Um, you know, I don't I don't feel like if I ask that to sir, he's going to look at me like that's a stupid question. You know, I don't want anyone feeling that way in my classroom. Um, That's so that's one of the first things they have to feel safe. Um the second thing, <laughs> which sort of goes pro- uh, um, against the first thing I said, is uncomfortable. They have to feel like they're being pushed. Yes. I like my students to walk out of the classroom tired. Yes. Because that way they know and I know. they, they We got everything out of each other, True. you know, for maximum effort, especially where I teach A levels. So for me, it's not about just getting you ready to do your exams. If I was just getting you ready to do your exams, I could make it two years very easy very easy you know to go in and just pass just get a good grade even if that good grade is say an A or or, or, or a B or what have you when you go to university and then you don't know what it's like to put in that hard grind
0: mm.
1: you know when you've got deadlines coming up or or you've got an exam to prepare for properly and, and, and those sorts of things, you know. So I do like to push them out of their comfort zone, you know. And with that, the third thing is um, fun. Fun, yeah. Glad
0: Yeah. You did that. yeah.
1: I, don't, I, I don't like the idea of my students coming into a classroom and they're like, oh, <laughs> no, not in my room.
0: Yeah, not like dragging mind. their
1: feet, you know, like duh, yeah, duh, duh, duh. exactly, <laughs> exactly. You know, some topics are inevitably not the most fun, especially in law, you know. But um, I'm, I like to have a bit of banter, laugh with, um, joke with, um, you know, like appreciate the idea that they are human and, and they we're not always going to find every single thing fun, quite simply, and just try and lighten the mood a bit and what have you. But where possible make it as engaging and enjoyable as possible in the room so that way when they walk out they want to come back in
0: would come back (laughs) in,
1: yeah yeah they want to come back not walking i'm like how how do i get out of this class quickly (laughs) you know
0: but that's good that that goes to show that you sort of like have a good understanding of young people good understanding of how to engage them and to create the right content to keep them engaged so when you're talking about like you have to get to school from you know eight o'clock till like and you're there till five you're doing your research, you're doing your session planning isn't it, to make sure that the content is engaging
1: and interesting. Yeah, definitely. And mm. Definitely, absolutely because you know I'm, I'm still 21 so.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm still 21 as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too, me too. So just a different question now. So um if your if your life was a movie um what would be the turning point in that movie for you
1: i think there'd be a number of them so so when i think back as to turning points in my life um i'd say probably one of the key and big ones was when i turned 18.
0: okay yeah
1: turning 18. That year was like just massive, big evolution for me personally, Um, in terms of my personality, in terms of my charisma, my energy, even in education as well, just everything just, just evolved quite simply. The second was um, towards the end of university, you know, um I learned that there was a lot of um there's a lot more potential within me than I even realised. You know. And then going into the world of work. You know, that was a big turning point as well because I started realizing that with my although I have potential and, and a lot of skills behind me, there's a lot of other politics that could be involved with it and whatnot. And then it meant that I had to sort of adapt in a, in a particular way to different environments so i've worked in a lot of places especially in education a lot of places over the last 10 years you know so i've learned how to sort of adapt and, and fit in basically quite quickly and get along with people
0: that's awesome because like um i was thinking about um what you were saying about the adaptation and the resilience and to be able to intermix and to get on with people. Um, so you took the traditional route into teaching, but what are the alternative routes into teaching?
1: Um, So the traditional route was what I took. That was basically did my degree, and then I did a PGC in post compulsory education. I know one thing that um, is around is teach first now, isn't it? Yes. So if you've got, if you've got a, first, um, a first in your degree, then you can just go straight into education and you're sort of learning on the job in a school, which I hear is quite rigorous but it's also one of the quicker ways to get straight into it. And you're getting paid as well.
0: Yes, getting paid.
1: Obviously not a full teacher's salary, Mm. but it's basically like, um, if you will, professional apprenticeship. It is, yeah. It's it's similar to that, I suppose, isn't it?
0: Mm. Because one thing about the Teach First programme is that you have an opportunity to sort of like gain skills and knowledge whilst on the job. So when you said rigorous, it definitely is that you are, you know, um, hitting the ground running and you are in a school and you're learning about all of the school's politics, ethos, values, as well as getting to know how to teach (laughs) type of thing, you know. And then your route is that you took the PGCE route, but then it was, was it more classroom based or lecturing based?
1: Teacher training, I do believe the um course itself and learning was once a week if i remember correctly it was every wednesday or something like that and then the rest of the days were opportunities for me to go and teach and gain my hours i think you had to get 150 hours by the end of the academic year and have all of those recorded and signed off but yeah a lot of it was um in the classroom teaching teaching people law you know um, someone a level someone access to higher access to higher education
0: yeah because um i was thinking about um my gosh how you started out you done your pgce then you went into a school what was your first experience like your first teaching job like what is one memory that sticks out for you
1: my first teaching job my first teaching job was in a college in southall okay and um I remember, what was my first day like? Oh my gosh. <laughs> my, <laughs> first day, I, I, my first day, I got there. It took me ages to get there because I live in Ilford. Drove all the way to Hall and got in with like about 15 minutes before my lesson. And literally as I walked in, met my manager, he's gave me a textbook, walked me to the classroom and said, yes, so you're going to be teaching them uh, like a politics class. Walked me and said, hey guys, this is Andre. He'll be teaching you from now on. Gone. That was it.
0: Oh, okay. I
1: I think he'd done the register for me because obviously I'd never done it before. And then that was it. (laughs) I was, and I was just felt like-
0: (laughs) Yeah.
1: All hi, (laughs) you know. And, and, you know, for to be perfectly honest, I winged it. And that was literally where it was. I got thrown in at the deep end. Mm. And I was like, well, you better paddle your backside off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, N- <laughs> N- yeah,
1: basically, just keep going. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was, that was a lot. And the idea of getting through, just, just that first day, even, getting through that first day was tough working there was tough period. I think, and and that's one thing I'll definitely say to people like your first year of teaching, especially if you go and do the PGCE, if you do the PGCE, it's nothing like, um, doing it full time. You know, you go into a full time role where you're teaching what's up to maybe like 23 hours a week.
0: Um,
1: it's a new level of difficult. I used to come home and I'd I'd fall asleep on the table trying to prepare Mm -hmm. for the next day alone, Mm -hmm. because the other thing is that you're still, you're still building your resources. Most probably, you know, you're still finding your way of teaching and, and you're still getting used to how to organize yourself as well as getting used to that college's way, you know, or school's way whichever whichever one you're in and the way and that and the way that they do things you're still getting used to all of those sorts of things your first year is definitely the toughest year
0: Mm. that's interesting because um i i would definitely agree i remember again one of my friends who's a primary school teacher And it wasn't even the first year, the first few years, it was tough because as you said, a key point about creating resources and sort of like finding your groove, finding what your teaching style is like. So if we're reflecting back, you know, to your younger self, what advice would you give to your younger self? You're 14 years old and you're thinking about, you know, possibly getting into education to be a lecturer, um What advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Oh, I was fourteen. I wasn't thinking about. it. Ah,
0: I love it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, right. let's, yes. let's start off there. I was thinking about. Let's no tell teaching.
0: the truth now, is <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Let's see. Let's keep it a hundred. Let's
0: tell the truth.
1: <laughs> Eighteen was early, but definitely at fourteen. At fourteen, I, I wanted to play basketball. Oh. You
0: know? Okay. And
1: if I could go back. I'd have told myself, you you need to go and play ball, basically. Go and go and do it, do it relentlessly. At 14, I lacked a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. That's why 18 was such a massive evolution for me, and probably of the three that I spoke about. Turning 18 was like the biggest turning point for me wow. of all, quite simply. But yeah, so although I played and although I was good, like really good for my age, didn't want to go to play like with the team and try out for fear of not being good enough and all of those sorts of things um that lack of confidence also fed through into like my work ethic in the classroom as well mm-hmm. so if I was looking back I would have just told myself no 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 you need to just go and do it like that this turning point that you're gonna have at, at eighteen it needs to happen like oh, yeah. right now bro at fourteen. Yeah you need to just go and do it. Stop worrying. Stop worrying because what you do, people will be impressed by, quite simply. Excellent. You know, so That's you just need to go course. and do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you're the guy and you don't even know it yet. <laughs> I would have told myself, so like, you are the guy, yeah. You're that you're guy. You're the man, you're the man. Yeah, stop, stop looking down. Stop walking like that. Stop, yeah. bro. you're the guy, you're the guy. <laughs> You got don't this you're intelligent I... yeah <laughs> the girl's like you you just don't know it, yeah, you don't like, even know it. Of, like, everything everything you don't <laughs> of, like, everything know i needed it. to hear
0: <laughs> you don't even know that you are the man you know, you you know. put your crown on your head and walk exactly. up exactly you know exactly it's awesome because while she was talking you said basketball and then um it brought me back to my, um, one of my favourite movies, Love and Basketball with um, yeah. Na Lathan and Omar Epps. And I was thinking, say if you had a movie and you had an opportunity for a celebrity to play you, who would that person be and why?
1: It's gonna be a toss up between Denzel and Will Smith. I'll let them find oh. it out. I'll, I'll let them find it out. No, I think if I, if I was being realistic, if I if I had a film, yeah, I'd, I'd probably say it was. I'd probably say it'd be Will Smith. Will if Smith. that's who I would want it to be, at least anyway, mm. you know. Um, because again, especially at that turning point of eighteen, I became that sort of cheeky guy, you know, um, smart but funny, and, and all the rest of it. And I had very much that sort of um, character, mm. basically, as I started getting older
0: so tell us about your very special talent andre um
1: i don't know if i call it a talent but (laughs) basically i learned to make um i learned to make rum punch and um it started off as just something that i did for carnival whenever i was going with my friends and the feedback got really good so I've simply turned it into what we can see behind. I've made it, branded it, logoed it, it's called Noir. Yeah, so I make and provide a rum punch or in the process of doing that basically.
0: It is the best, the best, the best, the best rum punch ever. How do we get in contact with you if we want more information about how to purchase a bottle?
1: Um, So you can go on Instagram um, where I'm at Bay, so that's B A Y underscore noir, N O I R underscore R P for run punch basically. Excellent. And that's what you'll, see. you'll be able to see all of my stuff there as well. Obviously, I've got a website. Um, I'll say obviously. I also have a website www.baynoir.co.uk.
0: Awesome. What type of challenges have you faced so far?
1: Um, I'd say one of the biggest challenges. I face. There's two that come to mind straight away and there's probably more, but the two that come to mind immediately is first of all, knowing all your stuff. Um, there's lots that you need to know with law and obviously it's law, so it gets quite technical. Um, so knowing everything like up here well enough can be quite the challenge because there's loads of cases. I think over the course of the two years, probably need to know somewhere between 150 and maybe 200 cases I might be overestimating but it's something like that there's a lot there's a lot of cases there's and and that's just the cases um you know we haven't got to things like the actual legislation that you need to know various sections etc etc but there's quite a bit you know and so when you know your stuff then it allows the students to have that little bit more confidence in what you're saying, especially if you can like say something straight off the top of the dome, you know, the second one is getting students to understand it. Right. You know, and that's where it gets really complex and tricky. Basically, if, if you can't, get them to understand it. You, you can lose, you can lose your whole class in that moment, basically. And that can be very difficult and challenging. I've had moments where I'm trying my level best to get them to understand the concepts and it's just not going in and it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and you can, you can lose them depending on the sort of class you got. You can just lose them entirely from that moment and it becomes very difficult to get them back. So you have to be able to sort of gain an ability to make certain things um, accessible Mm -hmm. to students. You know, if I go into a classroom and I start talking about statutory interpretation, the literal and the golden rule and, you know, start throwing out Latin at them and things like that, everyone's just going to look at me like, you know, so I have to find ways to make it relative from the get-go. And if I don't do that, it's a, it's a done deal. At least for that subject, it's a wrap. They're not, not going to get it. You know, those are the two big challenges, mm. I would say, for me.
0: So how do you sort of like, what, what are your tactics in terms of um, trying to get your learners to understand complex information
1: um make it relatable even if it's so So i i like again law a lot of subjects are remote so if i say students today we're learning judicial precedent at least i would say probably 75 percent of the class are gonna think i don't know what that is Mm -hmm. and that's the title that's the title i haven't begun explaining anything yet which means that potentially I can lose a student from the title because yes. it's don't know it. It sounds like gobbledygook that yeah. makes it threatening. I feel intimidated shut down. Yeah. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything about it now because it's it, it just sounds, it sounds like too much, mm-hmm. you know? So I don't even start with the title. You know, I'll do things like say guys, um, first thing I'm going to do is, um, you're gonna write down everyone in your family and then put them in order of hierarchy. Who has the most authority in your house? Who has the least authority in your house? You know? And then we, we explore that. We start looking at things like, oh, so if they say something, does that mean that it goes? Like everyone has to everyone has to follow that decision and what have you. And oh, what if everyone had the same level of authority? Would that be structured? Would it work? Would it be chaotic? And why? You know, and then they start talking about how that would work, why it wouldn't work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And immediately they're beginning to learn about what a precedent is, you right. know, and judges to that. And then you've got judicial precedent, for example. So I take remote concepts and make them accessible, make them relatable to something that they understand very well, you know. And once I, to me, I I call that laying the foundation. And once you've laid that foundation, the rest of the subject becomes a lot more easier to understand.
0: Yeah, a lot more palatable, because law can be very high level, isn't it? So as you're layering and providing layers for the students to understand, they can at least get it. And I like the word that you use, which is relatable as well. So um, we're in post-lockdown coronavirus and stuff. So how has the new age of like digital tech, you know, um, media, information, how has that impacted your work so far?
1: Um, Massively, massively. Um, It's, I mean, we, we went into lockdown from the end of March, you know, so I haven't been in work since then. And I've been teaching online, so, for me the difficulty with that is how do I keep my students engaged, how do I um, keep them understanding the material that once again could be so remote or so difficult to, to grasp, you know, unless you're in front of me to say oh sir I don't understand, could you go and explain that again or or ask very specific questions that you would normally ask in a classroom. That opportunity is now lost. You know that that was um, that was a massive impact for me. So, one of the things I started doing was just basically adding in uh, voice notes because I didn't want to just attach my my PowerPoints. So I explained everything vocally as well. So anyone who understood the PowerPoint flew through the PowerPoint themselves, and anyone who didn't. Um, basically listen to me explaining it and what I would do is I would basically put in a scenario at the beginning and say right so we're going to imagine you know Bob does this to Sally, Sally's upset, she wants to sue Bob blah 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 and then as we go through the information I keep bringing it back to Bob and Sally, back to Bob and Sally, Bob and Sally, Bob and Sally. So that way they, they, it's a little bit more accessible basically and then along the way they can still ask questions and post it online and what have you. Um, which was, I guess, the best of a bad situation, you know. Um, but I feel like there were some positives from it because I'll be using um, that online that online platform more when I go back yes. to work, you know. And I'll and I'll still be adopting some of those same things because what it sort of showed is that. There's a lot of people who can access information that way. And so it means that a little less spoon feeding is necessary. I don't need to do that. I can sort of encourage their independence a little bit more. Okay. Yeah. Once again, get them ready for university, which is what I was saying earlier, isn't it? Mm. It's not just about it's not just about getting a good grade, it's about being ready for the stage after school or college.
0: Yeah, preparing them for, for adulthood and life, isn't it, at yeah. the end of the day? That's exactly, yeah, absolutely. What been, you know. That's it. Because um I'm just thinking about like so far your career up to date. What three words would you sum up your career so far to
1: date? Tiring, challenging, rewarding. You know, it it definitely has its pros and cons. It's not for the faint hearted. It's not for the weak minded <laughs> and the undisciplined. I would, I would definitely say that you can easily get caught out in working in education, working with young people, quite simply, you know, like I said, but most nine out of 10, they're fine. But you got about one that will try and push your buttons and you have to be ready for that. You know, you have to know how to deal with that and how to sort of encourage or facilitate changing that relationship from a negative one into a positive one Mm -hmm. at some point you know it might not be straight away it might not be today or tomorrow next week but you need to be able to basically facilitate that change Mm -hmm. quite simply you know it it can be tiring and -hmm. challenging um but it is rewarding you know as i was saying before when you see the development in those people that you've been working with, you you know, you know there's a sense of pride in that you had a hand in that. Basically, you know. Or especially when students at the end of the year come and say, Oh, sir, I just wanna say thank you for everything. You know, that that means a lot, basically. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's that means what a lot you, you do, isn't it, really?
1: Yeah, basically. I mean, that and I need to pay bills, but, oh, <laughs> yeah. right.
0: Forget about it. No, but talk.
1: <laughs> but if if money were an issue, no definitely. That's, that's the reason why I went into it. That's why I knew I wanted to teach from the age of 18, because mm-hmm. when I was helping my friends who were uh, um, studying law, and I was in my second year, and they were in their first, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that I was helping them with their homework, and they were going from like B's and E's to from from some of them C's some of them B's and and a couple even A's within weeks that like really that done something for me right here so I was like I want to be a teacher I want to be a teacher and that was it there was there was like almost nothing else like in my way for that no other distractions I just want to be be a teacher
0: Mm. it's awesome you know because I'm thinking about all of the the A levels results students do
1: um, How did they do at <laughs> first, or how did they do a few days after right, the government? A,
0: a few days then. after, we'll,
1: isn't we'll, it? We'll, you right, know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: how did they do a few days after the government done a turnaround of the a liberal results? Hello, yeah.
1: Oh, they did all right actually. They did all right. Um, they were, they, yeah, they did all right because at first they were they were downgraded. Seventy five percent of my students were downgraded. Wow, approximately 75% of them, Mm. and that was really, really disappointing, you know. Um, and then obviously, they did that little U turn, said, Nope, we're going to go with
0: Mm. teacher
1: grades, and yeah, it was back where it sort of should be. So, I was happy because there were certain students who definitely deserved A's, Mm. you know, and they got those good they got those i think one or two even eight stars a couple were upgraded as well you know which is good which is good so yeah so they're saying thank you sir thank
0: you sir have you, <laughs> gotten, have you had an opportunity to see your your wonderful um
1: students have you seen i didn't actually unfortunately oh, okay. i wanted to go down on results day but um mm-hmm. yeah the kids said i was i was home with the kids so i wasn't able to go okay I was able to go but yeah. my line manager she messaged me she let me know how they did she let me know how they did at first and then obviously um by the, this Monday I think this Monday she messaged me and said oh look we've done a U-turn I was like no I heard on Sunday so yeah I was happy exactly
0: Awesome. Awesome. So the power of education and life lessons. Um, I was Mm -hmm. watching a color on YouTube and he was sharing about, um, the importance of education and the lessons he's learned from that journey. So um, he said that education should be fun and challenging. So finish the sentence. Education should be. Empowering. Empowering
1: wonderful it'd be empowering um i shouldn't and i think education is um notorious for sort of doing this and basically that is preparing um young people to just be a part of the workforce you know um one of the things i like like i used to work in uh, in a college in brooklyn i loved working there but a lot of um not really clued up about the realities of, of what's out there, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like the corporate world and professional world and what have you. And a lot of them, like some of them doing A-levels, some of them doing B-tech, but a lot of the ones who were doing B-tech, they thought it was just about getting, you know, a merit or a distinction and getting them and just going to university, just so that they could go to university. Mm -hmm. And I used to have a lot of conversations with them at lunchtime you know we used to talk a lot in in like big groups and what have you and I used to tell them like if you're not careful yeah you're it's going to be too late or or you're going to be very you're going to be a lot older when you realize that you went to nursery where your day was set up for you you had your whole timetable and schedule you went into primary school with the same thing secondary school with with um, the day set up for you, you're told what time to be in, what time to go into class, what time to sit down, what time to have your break, what time to eat and what time to go home. All of that is told to you by another. The same goes for university with a little bit more freedom, but it's the same rules pretty much. And then when you come out of university, you won't know what to do with yourself. So what do you do? You go and get a job where somebody tells you what to do, when to do it, how to do it, when you can break and when you can go home again, you know? And so you're sort of willingly giving up your um, autonomy. Mm. Meanwhile, no one's told you how to file your taxes. No one's told you how to be self-employed. Ain't nowhere in the curriculum telling you how to invest in stocks, shares, Forex futures bonds or anything of that nature, you know, um, because somehow quadratic equations matter more.
0: Whoa.
1: Um, you know, the, these are the things that they're not telling you. And those are the things that actually make you autonomous, you know, not no one tells you how to, how to balance a book or, how to buy a property the process of of buying a property yet most of you will want to buy a property Mm. go figure so it doesn't empower under the illusion of empowering Mm. quite simply and and that's what i was told them like you know you might not learn better here but you need to make sure you're empowering yourself but i think education should be empowering it should be teaching us you know even if it's not all of it, it should be teaching us bits and pieces of it. We, like, I should have been able to come out of school knowing how to do taxes, how to get a tax rebate, how to file them and do a self-assessment. You know, I shouldn't have been finding that out like a couple years ago. That's mm-hmm. my opinion. and I know, And I think it's the same, especially now, especially now where, you know, in 2020, the idea of having one job without you know a side hustle or anything like that is becoming an unknown like everyone and their brother has a side hustle these days you need to know how to do that legitimately and file your taxes and you know claim rebates and, and all the rest of it basically but people are walking out not knowing
0: a successful education curriculum would have all of those factors in place like entrepreneurship that ensure that all of the young people are equipped with the right digital and tech skills in order to flourish now in society how it is, you know, this is a gig in economy, you know, you go through maybe 20 jobs, we do need a curriculum where we're able to empower our wonderful young people to be the best versions of themselves. Um, yep. I would like you to share some final words of wisdom that you can share with our viewers, um, about, you know, starting a career within um, education. What wise words would you share with our viewers as we close?
1: Um, to, I think my, my, my words of education is to be easy with yourself, trust yourself, you know, it will feel like you're sinking if, you, if you're if you just starting out. And especially if you've done nothing like it before, you know, it, it will feel really difficult. But what I can guarantee is that if it is your passion, something that you really like doing, then it is something that will also get easier. You'll come into it. But your first two years will be tough. Basically be patient and get through those two years you know do what you need to do but yeah give yourself time be easy with yourself trust yourself you know and all will fall into place
0: hi everyone this is your host sophia lewis and thank you so much for listening to this episode of employability matters the number one careers and job related podcast where we always dive into topics associated with the world of work I really thank you for your support and for subscribing and remember to share with your family and friends. It would also be appreciated if you could leave a great review on our YouTube channel, Anchor FM, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I will be back next week for another great episode. So until then, remember, employability matters.